All right. So we might have cried together already today. So let's celebrate a little bit together today too. Okay. Let's just like go through all the emotions. Uh, you might remember that uh, this past week was Megan's Mobile Grocery Lip Sync Battle, um, which we had happened to have a team competing in, you know, y'all might remember I'm slightly competitive. So I really wanted us to win our battle. So I did not put myself on the team. Um, and I enlisted this fabulous team of people. And, um, I must say they came through for us all. Here's our trophy. We'll sit it right here. If you're on the team, stand up, take a bow, stand up, let us cheer for you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Good job. Good job. (laughs) All right. There have been some who have asked to see this performance, and I do happen to have a video of it today. Um, I do want to warn you, there is an 80s celebrity that makes an appearance that makes a pretty shocking entrance. So don't don't be taken aback when it happens. <laughs> Let's watch together, and then y'all get to watch me try to recover uh, on the other side of this performance here. In 
related news, we're going to be taking up a special offering today for our friend Eric Kinney, who uh, played Richard Simmons in, in the video, uh, because he might need some PT following, <laughs> following this. But <laughs> we were glad to, to bring home the trophy. And uh, speaking of people who bring home trophies, I mean, we got to talk a little bit about the UK Wildcats today. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get tired of hearing about the UK Wildcats, but what can I say? You know, I was indoctrinated from birth by my father. Um, I came home from the hospital and I had a little UK basketball in my bed, and then we had a Wildcat picture on our wall. Where is that picture? Tell me you didn't throw it away. Okay. Um, and uh, of course, you know, we listened to and watched as many games as we could. Um, I had all kinds of UK apparel, and I knew all the chants, you know, like, see. A-T-S, cats, 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 thank you. Um, so just imagine, people, the disruption that happened in our, our big blue haven whenever my cousin decided to go play not for the UK Wildcats, but instead for the WKU Hilltoppers. Oh, man. Like, what were we supposed to do, guys? Like, so, you know, were we supposed to, were we supposed to just change teams? Was it possible to cheer for both of them, right? Was it possible to stay a UK fan and just cheer for that other team that our cousin played on, you know? Um, at first I thought, well, we'll just keep one foot in both worlds, right? Like, how often do these two teams actually play? But when you know it, uh, the very first game that my cousin played in a WKU uniform was in Rupp Arena against the UK Wildcats. And so our family, we had a decision to make, and we had to make it very quickly. It was tough, uh, but in our family, there are only two things above, above, uh, above <laughs> basketball, and that is God and family. So... We had to make an exchange, and uh, Hilltopper fans, we became. Um, I'll never forget it. Uh, it. It was it was awkward, you know. I'm walking into Rupp Arena in my WKU attire, and I, I'm still like not at peace with this decision. Uh, mainly because y'all know y'all who know me well and been around for a while. Y'all know what I was worried about, right? Like, do they even serve their world famous ice cream to the opposing team? Because you know, like that was going to be a deal breaker for me. Um, whenever the chant started, C A T S, it was really hard for me not to join in. A few times I caught myself. C, I mean T O P S. Tops, tops, tops. But by the end of the game, you guys, like I was all in. You would have thought I was a Tops fan my entire life. I was in red, um, head to toe. I had my towel and I was waving it. By the middle of the game, I'm standing up and yelling at Tubby Smith, sit down. <laughs> jumping up and down and going wild when the WKU Hilltoppers defeated the UK Wildcats on their own floor. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I even hugged Big Red that night. Um, and I 
looked for this picture. I wasn't going to tell this part of the story, but 9 o'clock got it. By the way, they told me at 9 o'clock, because we have lower attendance at 9 o'clock, that I should give exclusive content to lure more people to come to that service. So this could have been the start of that. But Jeremy, Jeremy told him this story. The day after that game, um, there was a big picture on the front page of the Daily News of the crowd, just like going wild. And you can see on the very edge of the page, like, there I am. I'm like, I'm celebrating. And then there's this hand. And it's Jeremy. He was totally cut out. Like, here he is. He's lived in Bowling Green his entire life. I'm a brand new Wildcat fan, and I make the front page of the Daily News. And my whole family was on the front page, yeah. And so he was really bitter about it. So what I did is I cut the picture out. And I put it on a bigger piece of paper up in my dorm room, and I drew a little stick figure in to match the hand so that Jeremy could be in the picture. But I thought after all these years, he would have forgotten about that, but evidently not. We'll talk about bitterness uh, next week, but not today. But this transformation was taking place as I shifted my allegiance from one team to another, right? Like all that I'd ever known, like suddenly started to change. And it wasn't like a thing, but it's like, as I became a Western fan, you know, I just started doing the kinds of things that Western fans do. Allegiances do that. They dramatically shape our lives. And so as we turn the page from chapter two to chapter three of Colossians, Paul is speaking to a group of people that is going through a change in allegiance that is far more seismic than just going from one basketball team to another. They have lived their entire lives um, living as Gentiles in this environment in which, you know, they're expected to worship the gods that they, they've been told rule over their city. Um, these gods that need sacrifices and that need festivals in order to stay happy because if you anger the gods, watch out, right? They're going to be upset and they're going to cause disasters. They're going to cause there to be floods and earthquakes and tornadoes. All those things happen because you're not living up to your end of the bargain. So imagine this, this small group of, of followers of Jesus that are just finding their way, that are just changing their allegiance. They have to feel kind of anxious about this, right? Um, they, they have to be worried about these, these gods, getting mad at them perhaps. But even more than that, we talked about this, this the first week, their neighbors would have noticed this. Their neighbors are going to see like, why didn't they come to the festival yesterday? Uh, why aren't they offering all these sacrifices that they used to every day? And when disaster comes, who are they going to blame? You, right? Because they can see that you have changed your allegiance. It was no small thing for them. Um, it was a change that was not only difficult, but that could be dangerous. But what Paul wants the Colossians to remember is that it is worth it. It is worth it because there is another better way to live their lives. Another better way that leads not to never ending achievement, but rather to fullness. Another way that leads not to, to constant appeasement, but to freedom. And that way is only found in relationship with Jesus. Where we left off last week, Paul, he was, he was talking to the Colossians about, about them not getting distracted by all these rigid rules that, that, that they were um, being tempted to put in place, but to rather connect in real relationship with Jesus. This is what he said in verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you still submit to its rules? 
In other words, he reminds them and he reminds us that when you were baptized, when you went under that water, you died with Christ. You died to the ways of this world. And so the rules that the world gives, they no longer apply. Don't let them any longer dictate your life, which sounds good, right? But the question becomes like, yeah, but now what? Now that we've died to that life and been raised in Christ, what does it look like to to walk with him? What does it look like to to be in relationship with him? And, And what we see in the passage that we look at today is that as we do start walking along with Jesus in relationship, that there's some things that just naturally begin to shift. Some things that we begin to exchange in our lives, not because we want to appease someone, not because we're trying to achieve something, but because we're experiencing this new relationship and we want it to thrive. We're experiencing this new relationship and we want to experience it in all of its fullness. And so rather than earning what we're, what we're doing as we make these exchanges is we're, we're really begin, beginning to enjoy that fullness and that freedom that Jesus died to make possible for us. And so let's dig in and let's see the kinds of things that Paul calls the Colossians and us to exchange as we live our lives with Christ. First, as we live in this dynamic relationship with Jesus, that first exchange, we're going to see start naturally beginning to happen in our lives and feel Jesus challenging us to make is exchanging our hurried thoughts. This is what Paul says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I don't know about you all, um, but I tend to struggle with what's been called the tyranny of urgency. Does anybody know what that is? Melinda knows. She's like, yes. The tyranny of urgency is that, that sense that not only does everything need to be done now, but like two seconds ago. Um, whenever I find that I've gotten stuck in the tyranny of urgency, when it's kind of won and taken over my mind, here's a few of the things that are indicators to everyone around me and to myself that I'm there. The first one is this. If you come in my office and you have, uh, you see there that I have more than one cup on my desk, um, all of those contain Diet Coke at one point or another, you should know, then that's like flashing red lights, like danger, danger. You might want to leave Laura alone because I'm like in that frenzied place. So much so that I don't even have time to like put away the cup that I've just drunk out of. Or um, you'll also look at my computer screen and it's begun to look like this because suddenly I don't have time to file, right? I just got to go, go, go. Um, Another indicator is that I'll start walking into rooms and forgetting why in the world I came there. And 99% of the time, my hair will go up in a ponytail. Um, So maybe you have some of these, uh, but I just start doing these things and getting things done purely on the power of cupcakes and Jesus when the tyranny of urgency has conquered my mind. However, the truth of the matter is whenever everything feels urgent, nothing actually is, right? Have you ever 
realize that when our minds are constantly racing about that next thing we need to achieve or that uh, next person we need to appease, like the Colossians would have had kind of felt that urgency, right? Keeping the gods happy, um, trying to make sure that they're happy with them. And now as they're starting to feel this pressure to maybe adopt all the Jewish laws on top of that, Whenever you have all of that achieve and appease like going on, it's like you're, you're just going from fire to fire trying to put them out. You're going to go and try to, to extinguish the one that's burning hottest and biggest in your life. But here's the thing. Whenever Jesus died, the tyranny of urgency was crucified as well. And we were raised to this new life with a to-do list that is urgent, um, that was kind of whittled down to just one point of focus, Jesus. Now, as I even say those words, I hear them and I'm like, isn't that nice? We just get to focus on Jesus, right? Um, and I can, I can even hear your all's thoughts like, um, yeah, that's cute, Laura, but like things have to get done. Like I can't just sit around and think about Jesus all the time. I hear that. Um, and I agree with you. (laughs) Um, but this passage, it was perplexing to me for a long time as well. So I want to tell you all, first of all, what I don't think Paul is saying here. I don't think he's saying we should just ignore everything else around us and think about pie in the sky and in the sweet by and by all the time. I know it might sound like it when he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And in fact, like part of my experience growing up was, was that, you know, that was made very clear and taken very literally. And so it's like, you're not supposed to, to worry about things around you. You're not supposed to focus on your body or the earth because that stuff doesn't matter at all. You just need to be thinking about above. However, here's what I think gets missed whenever we think like this. I think what gets missed is the fact that Jesus came here to us, right? And so whenever Jesus came here to earth, here's what happened. Heaven broke in in our world. And then everywhere that Jesus went, heaven broke in a little bit more. And now, 2,000 years later, heaven breaks in a little bit more every time that we, his followers who are in him and empowered by the same spirit, love the person in front of us. Every time we extend that same hope and healing and love and light that he did in his life. And so Paul, he's not calling us to just abandon earth, to not care about it at all, but rather to exchange, to exchange our hurried thoughts for heavenly ones here and now in the present. He's calling us to see beyond what feels like all these urgent fires to see what is truly important. He's calling us to care about what Jesus cares about and to love what Jesus loves so that no matter what it is we find ourselves doing, No matter what it is, we can join him in bringing a little bit more of heaven right here in the present. So having died and been raised with Christ, we make this exchange. We exchange these hurried thoughts. But also, we are are called as we walk along with Jesus, we'll kind of feel that nudge to also exchange our harmful behaviors. This is what Paul says. 
Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. Let me ask you a question, and this can get interactive if you want, um, but it could also get dangerous. Don't call out your spouse, only yourself. That's the rules, okay? Um, (laughs) So whenever you first had a roommate or maybe when you got married, um, as you started living with that other person, was there something you began to realize that you had always done that was actually quite annoying? Jeremy has a a very extensive list about me. He would be happy to share with you, you know, uh, missing keys and uh, drawers left open and dirty dishes. Oh, my. Um, His mom is dying a little inside as I talk about it back there. They keep things tidy. But. Uh, we did not, right? We barely, we barely lived in our house. We we're always on the go. What was that? Paper plates. That's right. I didn't even know what a real play was. Yeah. Uh, but maybe in that relationship, you discovered that you chew a little louder than you thought you did. Or maybe you realize you have this tendency to put empty boxes back into the pantry or to get out a new roll of toilet paper, but not actually put it on the holder or or to squeeze toothpaste out of the middle of the tub instead of the bottom. Would anybody like to add to the list? <laughs> we could keep going, right? We could keep going. But being in the presence of another person, it, it helps us discover that, hey, you know, those things that I do, maybe they're not so awesome. That's kind of what I imagine happening here with the Colossians. They are beginning to live their lives with Jesus. And as they're living in relationship with him, they're discovering that some of their past actions weren't just annoying, but were actually harmful, harmful to themselves and harmful to others. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, all all those things that are listed there, not only would they have have probably been considered just fine within their culture, but they were actually usually included as acts of worship within their culture, which gets to that idolatry part that, that Paul mentions. But now, as the Colossians are walking with Jesus, they're starting to see that, that these actions, they, they always leave them just yearning for more. These actions, that they make them empty instead of full. And that these actions, they actually enslave them instead of leading them toward freedom. How they are just like these poor substitutes for living life with Jesus. As we live life in relationship with Jesus, we, we naturally are led to start making these exchanges to realize, hey, this behavior is kind of got to go. It's getting in the way here. And so we exchange our hurried thoughts and our harmful behaviors. And finally, we're challenged to exchange our hurtful words. This is what Paul says. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 
You all, all know the old saying, I'm sure. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never. Yes. I remember, I think, the first time I ever heard that, I was watching reruns of Adam West Batman on, uh, was it TBS? TBS would just like play it for days on end, you know? And uh, the Riddler was on there, and that's what he said. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's, it's catchy, right? And whenever we're like in an argument, it can feel like, oh, good comeback, poke them in the eye, right? But if we all get honest, (laughs) I would say that within a few moments, any of us could recall words that have been spoken to us that still sting. Perhaps after months and months, perhaps after years and years, perhaps after decades in our lives. James 3 says the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. (laughs) Proverbs 18 says it has the power of life or death. Um, I'll I'll be honest, a few months ago, someone said something to me that like pierced my heart. And it, it, it hurts and it made me question lots of things. It made me question my worth. It made me question my identity. Um, it blew up my boxes as Courtney said (laughs) in some ways. And I had to examine like, where am I, where am I truly finding my, my worth and my identity in my life? Um, but now all these months later, I can look back and I can, I can say, you know what? Like those words were said for a reason. They were supposed to hurt. Words matter. Their impact on us is immense. And so I've seen some people rewrite this poem. Rewrite this poem to say things like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words really hurt me. Or sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will infect my mind. And yet another that said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can make me think I deserved it. Words can do so much damage. And the Colossians, they're just human beings like us, right? They know this. They've experienced this in their lives as well. But Jesus, he had come as the word in the flesh to speak life into our lives. And as you and I experience his hope and his healing for ourselves, we are sent out to do the same thing to speak life into the lives of the people around us. Proverbs 15 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. And Proverbs 16 proclaims, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. As we put off our old self, our words of anger and rage, they're exchanged. They're exchanged for calm and peace. Our words of malice and slander, they're exchanged for words of kindness and compliments. Our words of filth and lies, they are exchanged for words of virtue and truth. What was once used as an instrument for hurt becomes an instrument of healing in Christ. As we live our lives in allegiance to Jesus, here's what happens. As we're walking along with him, we find ourselves becoming more and more aligned with who he was and who he is and all that he did and all that he does. We're challenged to make these exchanges, to exchange those hurried thoughts, to exchange our our harmful behaviors, to exchange our hurtful words, and to receive in return for them renewal and restoration to receive and return for them a realization of what it truly means to be human. 
living life in the fullness and freedom that God always intended. This uh, putting off of our old ways, it's not a painless process. I'll say that, and it's not usually a quick one. It's one that we all kind of move along at our own pace. It is a process that is sometimes two steps forward and one step back. Unfortunately, there is no three easy steps to a full life. But today, what I want to encourage you to do is just to take that next faithful step forward. As we've been talking today about hurried thoughts and harmful actions and hurtful words, is there just one of these areas of your life that you sense Jesus challenging you to exchange, to exchange for that fullness and freedom that he freely gives away?